I want to start this morning and play a video, and I hope we can make this work, you know, so <laughs> it's going to be, um, can y'all see the screen? Y'all going to turn a little bit. I think you guys might get this. I mean, it is Anheuser-Busch. That's not the point of it. Yeah. <laughs> but what's amazing is that, I mean, that inspires me. I mean, I've seen that, it, you know, a thousand times. I still can choke up in it. It makes us think of sacrifice. It makes us think of, of um, family. It makes us think of just how we need to be thankful and joyful in what we're doing. It makes us think of um, uh, those little, when the kid was there and just thinking about, man, I mean, your dad's gone and, you know, or your mom's gone and, and serving and, and what that is. And in light of Veterans Day this past Thursday, I mean, just all that. I mean, it inspires us. I mean, it brings out all these different emotions in a 60-second commercial by beer commercial by a beer company. And um, my point today, what I want to talk about today is does the Word of God move you? Are you moved in that same way when we read the Word of God? And this passage that we're going to look at today, David is moved in a zillion different emotions that we're going to talk about. And I just want to encourage you guys, hey, are we being moved by the word? If it doesn't move us, you know, there's some, it is, I mean, like um, the song, uh, and I know some of you guys go to the contemporary worship, but I encourage you to go to the traditional worship when, for this song because it will make you want to run the aisles. And, um, and it is always, you know, if it doesn't move you, sometimes, hey, you know, I don't know, I heard a pastor say one time, if that didn't move you, your wood wet, you know, and, um, and so uh, the word of God can encourage us and move us. So let's start, turn to Psalm 119, and we're going to be in um, verse 129, and I got a new Bible, and so I could barely find Psalm today, so um, we'll go from there, beginning in verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words give, gives light, it's understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. I look, look upon me and be merciful to me, as your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. Rivers of water run down from my eyes, because men do not keep your law. Number one, David admired and adhered to the word of God. He admired it. Verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. And God's word is powerful, profound. It's perfect. There's no fault. There's no error in it. It is wonderful. And within it is everything we need. You know, my question for you guys is, what, kind, what place does the Bible have in your home? You know, I'm obsessive about it. I know I am, and that's probably the only I mean, you, you can always know. Becky's going to preach about the word. 
you know, anytime you come into my class, what am I going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the word. And, um, but it's, it's alive and active, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. You know, it's Jesus, and, it's Jesus himself. The word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And this is a, it is, I was talking to, you know, some folks last night, yesterday afternoon, and they were saying, you know, they had kids that had night tremors. I'm like, play the word. Because where the word is, darkness cannot dwell. You know, the word became, the, it, it says that, and Jesus is also the light, and the light came into the world, and the world didn't know him. And, but the darkness could not overcome the word, the light. The darkness couldn't overcome it. So just by default, when we open it up, the darkness flees. So any, that's the power of the word for transformation. I have friends that have, um, you know, just because of stress and crisis and issues that are going on in their life, I mean, they were just kind of losing it. They could not get it together. They could not grasp it and get there. I mean, like writing, the, you know, the, this was back when you used to write a check at the grocery store, you know, and, and the, the cashier would say, you know, $72.32. And she would write, you know, Kroger. And then what was it again? I mean, she couldn't get that. And she started listening to the Word of God at night. And just put earbuds in her ear, and then she just played it through the night. And it, that was the only thing that changed. And within weeks, she was much more focused and much more. Because the Word of God is powerful. It's powerful. And I think that, um, you know, it, it doesn't come back void. It's the only thing that doesn't come back void. And I think sometimes if we just got up and just need to read the public proclamation of the Scriptures, and the Old Testament talks about when they did that when, um, under, under Ezra. And people just got up and read. And that was like Leviticus, guys. I mean, this is what they were reading. I mean, it's not like, you know, Colossians that really, I mean, these are just laws. They read it. And people were broken. And people were grievous of, of, of what they've done just by getting up and reading the Word of God. And so what place does it have in your home? There was many years that I would take the Bible and I would pick it up on Sunday morning and I would carry it to church with me and it would go on the back seat of my car and it would stay there until the next Sunday. I mean, that's where it stayed. That's the place it had. You know, and, um, and I don't want it to be that way anymore. And it's Jesus, and it's me. And you know me, I don't put it on the ground because it's Jesus. I don't put another book on top of it because it is the book. There's no book that's better than that. And that, there's nothing, you know, I got a new one, and I write in mine. I'm not, you know, all legalistic about, you know, keeping it perfect and all that stuff. And, but on the same side, I want to treasure it and honor it. You know, it's the Word of God. I was at an event this past um, week in, Colorado, in um, California, and they, it was... Uh, a ministry that ministers in Iran, called Iran, Iran 30. And um, they uh, bring Bibles and teaching materials into Iran um, for the Iranian Christians that are there. And there's a vibrant church in, in Iran right now, Capital C Church. And these are people that are you know, persecuted for their faith. I mean, these are folks that, I mean, right now there's a trial going on in Afghanistan um, that people are, I mean, there's a chance that they will be murdered, I mean, or executed because they're Christians in Afghanistan, and that's going on right now. But these people, the story that they told was that they would, um, you know, this American was talking, actually she's Brazilian, living in California, ministering to Iranians. I mean, so it kind of, that's an interesting mix, isn't it? And so she, um, she was saying, but you know, if you share your faith, you might die. And she says, but to die is gain. No, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But they sent these Bibles in and they've, they've produced, I don't know, in the past eight years, I don't know what the number was, 10,000, half a million, somewhere between there, and distributed these Bibles throughout Iran in the New Testament, and now they're working with Wycliffe and to finish the Old Testament. They should do that by next year into um, Arabic. And they, um, they, received, they would receive the Bible, and each one they would kiss and you know, put it on the shelf and kiss because it was such a treasured jewel to them. Um, in Russia during communism, uh, they would have limited Bibles, and so they would obviously 
they wouldn't just give you the whole Bible. They'd give you sections of the Bible. You know, the poor guy that got Leviticus, you know, I keep busting on Leviticus, but it is, you know, or Ezekiel chapter 1. It's like, okay, what in the world is this, you know? But they would take sections of it, and they would memorize the entire sections, and then they would change it back and memorize it again and change it back. And, you know, we're at our fingertips. I mean, I struggle to find, you know, Hosea, I mean, let alone memorizing, you know, the whole thing. I mean, at least I know it kind of where it is. But what kind of place does the Bible have in your home, and do you treasure it, and do you lift it up, and, and believe it? That's the biggest thing. Do you believe that this is true? Do you believe it? And that's the bottom line when it comes down to it, because we think, well, it's just it's a nice little add-on to our life. You know, you know I want to read Aesop's Fables and look at you know, the Farmer's Almanac and, you know, of course, the Internet, because that's truth as well, capital T, truth, you know, you know, and then the Bible. And so between all that, as opposed to making this number one, and then what David did, too, is because his testimonies are wonderful, he was, he was willing to keep them. Therefore, my soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, it's the essence of who we are. It's not my body that keeps them, it's my soul. It's a heart attitude. I mean, that's really important. It's a heart attitude. And it's not just that I'm legalistically going through these testimonies. My soul, in the essence, I'm doing them. And um, are we willing to do what it asks of us? And um, this is a, 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 new t- a teaching that I ran across, and I'm going to share actually on Tuesday at the master's program, but um, John, what is the greatest commandment? That's right, to love the Lord your God with everything. That's what it is. That's the greatest commandment, to love, and then the second is just like it, to love your neighbors as yourself. Interesting, John 13. Did I put that in there? John 13. Go to John 13 if, if you want to, verses 34. Jesus is talking to his disciples. It's near the end of his life, and he's about to be crucified. And he's already shared what the greatest commandment is, and now he's about to tell him what, uh, something different. John 13, I'll start in 31, actually. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, verse 34, A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. See, I mean, the standard of loving our, loving our neighbors as ourselves, I mean, that's a pretty high standard itself. You know, there's a church, I think I mentioned it before, Francis Chan's Church out in California. They give 50% of their money away. Because if I'm to love my neighbors as I love myself, then I give them, they get as much money as I get, right? I mean, that's kind of their mentality on how that works, and that's, you know... God's calling everybody to do different things. But do I love my... And Jesus is saying, actually, I want you to do more than that. You know, because sometimes I don't like myself. For a long time, I didn't like myself. And so loving others as I love myself was easy, you know. (laughs) And um, Jesus is saying, I want to love... I want you to love even more. I want you to love like I love you, which is unconditional. I'm like, did anybody prove this before it came out? I mean, give me a break. (laughs) And then, of course, Colossians 3.13, we won't take the time to, t- to turn there, but that's another one. Are we doing this? And that is, do we forgive as, as we have been forgiven? Just immediate, quickly, no expectations, no hold back. I mean, forgotten, boom. Do we forgive just like that? And that's what the Lord is calling us. That's what the Bible is calling us to do. And that is why when it says that it, it's sharper than a two-edged sword dividing our thoughts and our intentions, we also often will walk away from church, and we don't like it because it pricks us. And it says, you know, you're not really walking this way. Amen. And amen. That's exactly, Johnny, exactly what it, I mean, amen, that it does prick us. Um, you know, the greatest fear is that God doesn't care. 
and he, it's not going to get us when we, you know, aren't, um, are disobedient to him. So uh, he, David admired it, and he adhered to it. And for us, what a call for us, that we would treasure it and we admire it, have it in a high place in our home, and that we would be willing to adhere to it. Okay, number two. David used it to gain understanding. I love this. I love that it gave understanding. 130 says, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And I'm like, simple, Lord. I don't understand what's going on around me. I don't understand when certain things happen. I don't understand when tragedy happens. What, you know, I heard of a story of a, um, uh, a friend of mine's next-door neighbor, and um, the son was killed in a car wreck, and then, you know, in his 20s, and then, like, three years later, the daughter committed suicide, and now they're raising the grandkids. It's just like, you know, why is this craziness happening in the world, you know? It gives us understanding. When things are happening at work, possibly, and there's conflicts, and there's, there's um, uh, miscommunication, and you're like, well, why is this happening? I need understanding. Why is this coming down? I keep doing what you want me to do. Why is this? And the Word gives us understanding in that, and He gives it to the simple. I think that's so key because when we think we got it all together, when we know it all, the Lord's not going to give us understanding. It's to the simple. It's interesting. The entrance of your words give life. Well, what's the entrance of the word of God? Genesis. And it gives light. In the beginning was the word. I mean, in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And um, that's really amazing because even that gives us understanding that God is the creator. And with that very simple understanding, it changes everything. And that's what so many conflicts come in. You know, hey, we do have a, a righteous judge that we've got to bow the knee to. And because one day we'll be held accountable for that. And I love it. Second Peter 1, 3. I've mentioned this verse. Actually, I like it from the Amplified. So I'm not even turning there. Second Peter 1 thing. Everything we need for life and godliness is in the Word. Everything we need for life and godliness is in the Word. There is no problem that we will encounter. There's I, nothing that I believe there's not a specific word that can be applied to that situation and beyond, you know, God is love. I mean, I mean, a really a specific word that can, that is, it, it's called a, um, not just a logos word, not just a logical reading of the word, but a, a rhema. I mean, a word that speaks down to our soul and to our spirit. And if there's troubles and there's difficulties, man, there is a word in here, and there is probably even an illustration that matches right along with this, that we can grab a hold of and say, hey, I'm hanging my hat on that. You know, I need understanding, and this is giving me clarity and understanding. The Amplified says, it translates 2 Peter 1.3 this way. For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellence or, or virtue. So everything we need for life and godliness is found by knowing God. I mean, everything we need. For, if, so we need, if we want to have more understanding about how to live life and how to live godliness we just need to know the word we just need to know him and how do we know him is know the word sit under great teaching sit under great preaching hang out with friends that love the lord and um uh really speak uh truth into our lives does that make sense yeah. and isn't it encouraging yes i mean it really does it does it raises that standard of okay of the bible everything we need in life okay god you say everything and i call him on it okay god you say everything we need is for life and godliness is available through the knowledge of him. All right, so I need that knowledge. So I'm going to start saying the word. So give me everything I need for life and godliness. Show me what I need to know in walking this out and what the path is that I need to walk on it. And you know what? He is so faithful. He is not intimidated. Amen. He's not intimidated by my challenge of him. He wants to answer. He wants to respond and show me exactly the path that we need to walk and that we need to take. 
Psalm 131. I mean, uh, verse 131. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. David longed for God's word. He longed for it. I miss church when I miss church. I miss it. I mean, I feel out of place, and I feel, even when I go on vacation, and I'm not legalistic at all about that, and I usually don't go to church on Sunday morning, you know, when I'm on vacation, but this coming summer, we're going to actually probably have two weeks of vacation, and so I'll probably, I'm thinking, on one of those Sundays, I'm going to need to, you know, get in the car and put my flip-flops on and, you know, go find a come-as-you-are church kind of thing and go to church. I miss church. I miss the fellowship of the believers. You know, I miss that community and that environment that we have. I miss fellowshipping with, with other Christians. I was, like I said, I was in California this last week, and, um, and it was a great time. I, the Barnabas group, ha- I was able to do San Diego, L.A., and, Cal- and um, Orange County, and, um, and so it was a wonderful time. I'm inspiring ministries that I heard and, and visited with folks, but I missed, because I was two hours different, it really messed us up, because then I was also 7.30 to noon was my meetings. So by the time I got out of meetings and started heading to the next place, I mean, it's five or six, and all my, you know, girlfriends that I normally visit with, you know, they're home with dinner with the kids and all that stuff. And so I missed fellowshipping with the other believers because I, I thought, I'm so glad I don't live in California. Lord, don't call me to California. Except it absolutely was gorgeous. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was really pretty. I, when I, I went from L.A., I started, landed in San Diego, drove up to L.A., and I met a friend in San Clemente, and we walked the beach trail, and then... Drove up to L.A., and then from L.A. back down to Orange County, I drove the Pacific Coastal Highway, and um, really pretty. And then, um, and then I kind of got on the wrong toll road when I was going to Orange County to San Diego, so then I had to get off. I mean, it's Veterans Day. All the banks are closed. I didn't bring my ATM card. I mean, it was, it was a comedy error, but God was gracious to me. But it forced, not forced me, it allowed me to then take the Pacific Coastal the rest of the way down to San Diego, and absolutely beautiful. And I can understand why people live there, but... Um, but I'm glad I don't because my friends aren't there. So I miss, I miss church. I miss fellowship with my believers. I miss quiet times. Even just my journaling. I might take a moment for whatever. Yesterday morning when I was speaking, we had to be at the Berry Center at like 6.45, and I woke up at 5.30, and so you know, I was a little rushed in the thing. And, and so um, you know, just took a moment and prayed but didn't really get in it and dig it around and get my journal out and write pages in that and read my utmost and all that stuff. And I really missed it. I was, looking, I was glad. And it's so funny. You know, I live alone. You think I, I think that I can only do it like at you know six thirty or six o'clock in the morning. You know, I could have yesterday afternoon pulled it out, but I actually did my lesson last night for the first time, and I don't know when my lesson was actually done when I got up this morning, which is highly unusual. <laughs> it was done and ready to go, so I missed those. And you know what? I miss when I walk in the ordinances of God. You know, when I choose to walk in rebellion, I miss the peace. I miss the contentment. I miss the joy that comes when I choose to adhere to His. His testimonies, even when they're weird and hard and difficult. And I think, there's no way. Why do I have to forgive like this? Why do I have to love like this? This isn't fun. I don't like any of this. But, man, when I don't do it, I miss it. For me, because I love schedules, and I, I about you guys, you know, when I go on vacation, sometimes I'm ready to get back on, on schedule, you know, get back in my order. I've enjoyed not having a schedule, but now it's time to get back on schedule and get back in my path. And the same way I think when, we, um, when we're not walking the ways of the Lord. And so, do you long for the Word? And do you miss it? And do you carve out time to make sure, hey, man, I'm going to spend time in the Word. We carve out time to do whatever we want. We really do. We do. We choose whatever we want to do. And people say, I don't have enough time. No. We all have the same amount of time. Just what you choose to do. Like exercise. I'm definitely not carving out time to exercise lately. But 
I'm motivated. I'm going to get back into it. Okay, number four, verse 133. David used it to direct his steps. He admired it. He adhered to it. He got understanding from it. He longed for it. It caused him to pant after it. I mean, it moved David. And then, and then number four, David used it to direct his steps. Verse 33, 133. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Proverbs 4, 18 says this. 18 and 19. Proverbs 4, 18 and 19. Does somebody have that in the NIV? Do you have the NIV? Do you? All right, good. Amy, you want to read Proverbs 4, 18 and 19? Because I like it. This is the New King James Version is what I'm using now. But. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the day of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. That is an amazing proverb. Okay, so to the righteous, read that first part again, Amy. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. And so what I love about that is that, you know, when, you, when the sun first comes up, it's not real clear and you can only go a little bit. You can take a little bit of a step. But the further you walk in that path of righteousness, it's like the noonday and the sun just gets brighter and brighter and brighter and it's clearer and clearer and clearer the path that you need to walk. And it's so true. I mean, I, all the time, do the next right thing. You might not see way down the road, but you know the next right, just do the next right thing, whatever that is in the path that the Lord would have you to do. And then as you take that step, it's going to get brighter, and you take the next step, it's going to get brighter, and you take the next step, and it's going to get brighter. But isn't it interesting? The second part of it, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't know what they stumble over. You know, we have, we all, we have friends, we have acquaintances, we have coworkers, we have, whether it's people on TV or whatever that we read about, and, and they're just, their life is a wreck, and they don't understand why is my life a wreck? I'm like, well, you don't even know what you're stumbling over. You don't know that continuing in that crazy pattern of rebellion or disobedience or sin or whatever that, you know, you continue to get angry and yell and scream, and so you wonder why you have no relationships. I mean, it's like, here we go. You become needy, whatever you're filling the blank. They don't even, they can't even see it. They're blinded to it. But the path of the righteousness, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter as a noonday sun. And that is so encouraging that, you, you know, it's like, okay, it, it takes faith. Lord, by faith, I'm going to take this next step. You know, by faith, we're going to take the next step. I mean, Wendy and I both kind of start new businesses this year, and it's like, okay, get a website. Okay, that's the step. Okay, got the website. Okay, now, you know, whatever the next step is, and we take that next step, and it gets brighter and brighter as the noonday sun. And then for us, when we start, when things are happening, and this is also great because we, I mean, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect, right? You know, you guys aren't perfect. As we sometimes when we walk, we will walk in the path of the wicked. And we'll stumble over things and we're like, why did that happen, God? And we'll go back to the word and get understanding. And he'll show you what you just stumbled over. So, oh, okay, that's the path I need to not walk down anymore. This is what I need to not do anymore. You know, whatever fill in the blank that that choice might be, the anger or the intentionality or I didn't spend time in the word. You know, I didn't really take time and center myself. And so when I got to the rental car agency and, you know, and this didn't happen, I actually responded well. You know, and it took forever to get my rental car. Um, you know, I was gracious and kind. And, and then I got an upgrade, so even better. You know, but don't use Payless at the San Diego airport. I'm just telling you. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. So great verse, Psalm 4, 18 and 19. That's a great problem. I mean, Proverbs 4, 18 and 19 is a great Word to remember, and as you're walking through life and as you stumble over things, and even a word that you can speak to, to a friend. 
verse 8, or Psalm 38, verse, Psalm 32, verse 8. I also want to um, look at that. It said, this is the Lord speaking. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Okay, so first, number one, what a great promise that he will teach us and instruct us. He will show us. We, I mean, we don't have to be concerned or afraid that he's going to forget us or we're not going to know what to do. I mean, he will teach us and instruct us. But how is he going to teach us and instruct us? By his eye. So you know what? We need to be close enough to him that we can look in his eye, and in his eyes he will tell us which way to go and the path that would be. We have to have that intimate, personal relationship, and it's not going to happen by programs. It's not going to happen by showing up on Sunday morning. It's not, the only way it's going to happen is spending quality and quantity time with the Lord to really know him and see his eye and know the path that he would be and have him be able to speak to you and, and know his voice and know his voice. All right, verse 136. I'm flying today. We're going to be done early. Someone th- or verse 136, rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep my lot. David sorrows as the word is broken. He sorrows. Rivers of water run down my face because he did not keep her law. And, I mean, does my heart break over the things that break the heart of God? Does my heart break over the things that break the heart of God? Whether it's poverty, whether it's... Um, one, of the, one of the ministries that I reviewed or was exposed to this week was um, a ministry called Revive. And Revive is, um, their goal is by 2030 to eliminate malnutrition in the world. And they have created this product that, um, uh, he's actually a snack food company that um, they uh, heard about the need and they've created this product. It's a nut product that they actually make from their waste of um, of their peanuts and things like that, that is a, um, it's like a basically a glass of milk with a multivitamin. And it costs like, you know, seven cents. And on a, if a kid has this for seven days in Africa, he will be healed of malnutrition. And, um, and it's, it doesn't require any water. It requires no refrigeration. Um, all they got to do is squeeze it out and feed it to the kid. I mean, it's like the perfect food. And um, every six seconds in the world today, a child dies of malnutrition. Every six, I mean, totally curable. <laughs> I mean, this is total, there is not a lack of food. Right. It's distribution that's the challenge. So they created this, this product called Revive, and there's other products that are out there, but, and they just want to create it, and they're going to work with World Vision and Compassion and others to distribute it to those, to those families and, and, and save those. But does that break our heart? Every six seconds, a kid dies. And what's so amazing is that if they get them past two, and I didn't know this, if they get the kid past two years old, they're pretty. They're going to live. They're, I mean, they'll they'll be fine. But it says first two years that are so critical, and if they start in that path of malnutrition, and and I didn't really know that it's even that malnutrition was a disease that was curable. I mean, I, you know, and that it can be cured that quickly and that easily. And um, man, does that break our heart? Man, it's, I don't want to sign up. You know, how do I be a part of this? How can I make it if we can't do everything like that? You know, and so does that move our heart? Um, Lately, for whatever, I know partly reason is because Carol took her TV back because they moved down to the Bay. But, you know, I really have not watched much TV. Even when I was in the hotel, I didn't turn the TV on. And, and last night, I, uh, I like Bones. You know, you know, I like all the NCIS and CSI and all that stuff. And so I pulled out my computer, and I thought, oh, I'll watch it. Well, you know, I was tired, and I watched Bones. And um, so I turned it on, and within the first two minutes, uh, so, I mean, somebody was fornicating. And, and I'm just like... Well, two people were fornicating. And, um, and I just like, I can't watch this. 
I can't watch this. This grieves the heart of God. That this is just, fl- I mean, it's not, they weren't even, and then I thought, well, okay, it's just, it was 30 seconds, and, you know, then you moved on, and, and, but then the folks that were fornicating came up and said, oh, was it accidental intercourse? And I'm like, okay, no, I can't watch this. You know, so, I mean, you know, it was like, okay, I can't watch this. You know, and, um, and so, does it break our heart for the things that break the heart of God? And I want my heart to break over the things that break the heart of God. Not that I can fix it. I mean, it's not my call to fix all those things, and we need to be mindful and be critical about that. But, man, do we break our thing because of the sin. And really, it's again going back to the motivation of our heart. Because it breaks the heart of God when his creation chooses to just turn away and not walk in the ways of righteousness and stumbles over things that they don't understand. And you're just like, I got a plan. You don't have to be miserable. You don't have to walk in that bondage. I got a plan for you. I got hope for you. I got grace for you. And it breaks his heart because of the people. And does it break our heart because it breaks the heart of God? Is that, you know, so is it because we're feeling mercy? Because there are a lot of people that will cry rivers of strains of, of over a starving kid. But really the bigger thing is coming back here and saying, hey, you broke Christ out on a cross. That we don't have to walk in that bondage. You know, and does it break our heart for that? Does that make sense? I mean, so just the motivation of what our heart, of why, why we need to do that. So a great, great psalm, great um, verses about how, we, how it moves us. And I want to be moved by the word. I want to read it and to laugh out loud. Our, uh, this is one of my funniest verses in the entire world. Proverbs 27, 14. This makes me laugh out loud every time I read it. That and you lazy sluggard. That one makes me laugh out loud too. But Proverbs 24, 17 says this. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted as a curse for him. <laughs> 27, 14. 27, 14. I mean, that is me. That is so me. You know? Because I'm a morning person. I'm like, Woo! Andrea, my friend in Atlanta, she is not a morning person. And so, you know, I come bonding down and, you know, so anyways, but it cracks me up. It makes me cry. You know, it makes me rejoice. It it gives me hope. All those things that that TV show, I mean, that TV commercial inspires me. Okay, I can do this. I can press in. I can make the sacrifice, whatever that might be. You know, and to not grow weary. I mean, twice this. In the past 24 hours, I've read two verses about not growing weary. Galatians 6, 9, you know, don't grow weary in well-doing. In due season, you will reap if you don't give up. And then Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 says, don't grow weary either in that. Let me read it. Because it's about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For consider him who, en- oh, yeah, considered him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself least you become weary and discouraged in your soul. So if you're becoming weary and discouraged in your soul, consider him. Look at Jesus. You know, and then don't grow weary because if we grow weary, then we're going to lose the reward that we'll gain in due season. When two, verse, two verses and 66 books that we can hang our hat on for a good week. You know, that's, I mean, so, mm, love the word of God. So powerful. Two great prayers that I thought... I didn't really hit on, but I, I, I thought it's worthy of, these are worthy of you just praying every morning you get it before you get out of bed. Now, verse 132, look upon me and be merciful to me. You know, number one, thanks that you're looking upon me. Man, that you would even be mindful of me, being attentive of me. That you would look upon me and then have mercy on me because Lord knows I need mercy. You know? 
I need mercy. And then, once we do that, then do 133, the second part of it, really. And let no iniquity have dominion over me. Let no sin rule over me, I think the NIV says. I have no iniquity rule over me. And that's a great prayer for, for friends. It's a great prayer for nephews and nieces and, and siblings and children, parents. Let no, God, in Jesus' name, I just ask for all my spiritual kids so that you would have no dominion. The sin would have no dominion in their life. They wouldn't rule over there. Oh, man, just those two things. Before you get out of bed, those two things. I'll get you through the day. The Word of God, it does move me. I know that shocks you guys, but it does move me. Just some th- takeaways for you to look at. You know, do you treasure God's word? Do you really treasure it? Store it up in your heart. You know, I've told it before, but, I, you know, I surveyed your backyard and under in your ground was a treasure chest full of gold, silver, precious stones, more than you could spend an entire lifetime, 50 feet down. It's yours. It's all you got to do is get it out. Well, you and me both would get a backhoe and we'll be back there digging it up immediately. Nothing wrong with that. You know, our system that we work in today, it's fantastic. You know, but here's a caveat. You can only dig with your own, you know, using your own hands and tools. Well, we'd hit Home Depot on the way home, buy gloves so we don't get blisters on our hand, and buy a bunch of shovels, and we can only dig from 4 a.m. until 8 a.m. No one's going to say I'm not a morning person. Man, at 3.59, we got our hand on that door. We got shovel in our hand. We've thrown the Cheerios into the kids, and we are out <laughs> digging up the ground because it's, it's treasure that can change our lives. Proverbs chapter 4 says that the Word of God is better than gold, silver, precious stones, and jewels. And we will get out of our bed, and we would root around, and we would do whatever it took to get that, that gold, silver, precious stone. But sometimes we don't take the time to get into the Word of God. That's a far greater treasure. That's a far greater treasure than the gold, silver, precious stones. And God knows that, and I know that, and, and sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. And that's okay. So anyways, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for Christ. We thank you for the blood of Christ that was shed abroad for many, Lord. You know, so inefficient um, because not all will receive. But, Lord, you were willing um, to shed it for all, and we thank you for that. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, the comfort that it was sent to, to minister to us and, and to um, give us hope and um, empower us to do greater things than you did, which is... A profound Lord but I want to do that Lord I want to walk in the spirit in such a way that I would do greater things than you did um, and that we as a body of Christ would do greater things than you did Father I just watched a video yesterday about someone being raised from the dead Lord will we, can I believe you for that help my unbelief Father God Lord, I pray for the needs and the concerns and the, uh, the challenges that are in this room Father God Lord um, those that are spoken and those that are not spoken Lord that are in the deep recesses of our heart Father Lord I pray that just this week in a special way, you would draw us to your word and that you would reveal yourself to us in a profound way that would move us, that would bring us to tears, that would bring us to laughter, that would instill hope and peace and grace and mercy inside of us. And Lord, that as you speak those words to us and, and um, it rightly um, reveals the thoughts and intentions of our hearts, the motivations of our heart, Father, that we would choose to say yes to you and no to unrighteousness and that you'll be faithful to give us the power to do that. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives today. Lord, may we be obedient and say yes um, to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.